last week marked the 20th year anniversary of the first X-Men film. So we thought, why not give our insights on the history of the film series and which among them is our favorite. My name is Norsey. And I'm Ellie. And we are the Nerd Sauce Bros. Mutant and Proud. Welcome to the Nerd Sauce Bros. Yo, Norsey, what's up? What's good? Alright, so last week was the 20th year anniversary of the first X-Men film. Imagine, 20 years since that first mutant film. Exactly. It was directed by Brian Singer. It came out on the year 2000 and mm-hmm. introduced the likes of, you know, Wolverine, Cyclops. Jean Grey. And Jean Grey, Storm, Storm you know. Magneto, Professor X. And a bunch of mutants from Magneto's side that are forgotten even until now. Yeah, Except for true. Mystique, of course. Yeah, Mystique and Magneto stood out. Yeah. Uh, the X-Men, they kind of stood out. But uh, I think I'm not alone here when I say that Hugh Jackman is the Wolverine. He captured the spirit of the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, ever since the first film, I think. Um, I remember I watched that movie, you know, when I was really young. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said earlier, it was 20 years back. And I had no idea who these people were, right? Like, mm-hmm. maybe I ha- uh, maybe uh, Halle Berry was familiar. Mm-hmm. I uh, knew but... Patrick Stewart because of uh, Star Trek, The Next Generation. Yeah, exactly. Ian McKellen is mm-hmm. the first time I saw him. But yeah, Hugh Jackman was unknown back then. I think he was unknown because they were going for Russell Crowe for mm-hmm. Wolverine, for the role of Logan. So they went for Hugh Jackman. Yeah, that was a good choice. I mean, I'm, I'm glad they stuck it out with uh, Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, after all these years, him playing the Wolverine, you can't imagine anyone else. It's basically like, you know, to- um, Robert Downey Jr. as, you know, Iron Tony Man. Stark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's your Wolverine. It's Hugh Jackman is... You know, our Wolverine. Hugh Jackman has been Wolverine for eight films. Can you imagine that? He was like Wolverine for 17 years. Damn. Yeah. And you see it as well because the last movie he was in was in Logan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of see his age. Well, they aged him a bit in Logan. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that later. But, you know, you, you see how young he was back in... The first uh, X-Men. The first film. X-Men. Yeah. yeah. So before... There was even X-Men films. Um, Marvel and DC Comics was the biggest comic book publishers in the world. Mm -hmm. But in the 90s, Marvel was facing bankruptcy. So they sold or rather leased out their most popular characters to various movie studios. And Marvel did not have a studio backing like how DC has because DC has Warner Brothers behind them. And, you know, with no history of success in moving their properties in in the film arena, Marvel decided, you know what? Here's our characters. Use them for a certain price. And 20th Century Fox was very lucky to get the rights for the X-Men characters, Daredevil and Elektra, and Mm -hmm. Nick Fury. They only got the Fantastic Four series when another studio was not able to use them and 20th Century Fox bought them. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong. During this time, Avi or Avi Arad mm-hmm. was his name. Yeah, Avi Arad. Avi Arad. He made the choices to let go of the the rights, the film rights, right, or to sell the rights to these studios. Yeah, all I know is Avi Arad is part of the decision making body that sold the X Men rights to 20th Century Fox in order to cope up with its bankruptcy. So Marvel also sold different uh, characters to different studios. So Fox got hold of the X-Men characters. Sony got hold of um, Spider-Man films. Spider-Man and um, I I remember Thor, Ghost Rider, Luke Cage, even Black Panther uh, was under the uh, Sony Columbia Pictures. And the the only reason that Marvel Studios was able to get them because Sony was not making movies. Because one of the conditions is in order for the rights not to revert back to Marvel is they had to keep on making movies for a certain number of years. Hmm. I think it shows as well. The reason as to why Fox kept 
the X-Men mm-hmm. is they put you know, I'm not sure with regards to the involvement of the studios. To be honest, you know, back then when these movies were coming out, I really didn't notice, you know, the studios behind them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just when Iron Man came out that this became a thing. I was like, something's up with the Marvel logo. Mm-hmm. Like, I just couldn't put my finger on it. But, you know, I noticed that it was like a, it was a studio behind it. It was the Marvel Studios behind um, Iron Man 1, mm-hmm. right? But back then, you know, I, I, I didn't really notice that, you know, the, which studio was distributing which film. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if they had a hand in, you know, in, in micromanaging like the filmmakers. But I still believe that, you know, for example, with Sony, they put in a lot of love with especially the Sam Raimi films. Mm-hmm. Sam Raimi Spider-Man films and then with Fox they put in a lot of love with X-Men because you know like the Fantastic Four for example although it was fun it's not I it's not taken seriously mm-hmm. and you know me as an audience I can't take it seriously I think but as long as like, the film is financially and critically success they would mm-hmm. really love those characters. Yeah. Like what you said, um, the studios were loving the characters. I think they would also show love for the Fantastic Four films. And they were really critically good. But, exactly. you know, unfortunately, they were not. And look where it is now. X-Men was, you know, it was the very first superhero movie I liked. Mm, all right. Like I remember I've seen the other, like, Batman movies. Like, I've seen 89 mm-hmm. and Returns, but it was too dark for me back in that time. Mm-hmm. But when I saw it, at least, you know, I was older. So I really liked it. And I was like, hey, you know what? We're finally getting um, superhero movies that are taken seriously. That's what I felt. Mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, Brian Singer really did a great job. And as well, you know, with the writer as well, um, I can't remember who the writer was. But they really took that movie seriously. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it wasn't... Um, uh, fast forward to X-Men 2. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, X-Men 2 was like the the Empire Strikes Back <laughs> yeah, of the X-Men movies. You know what I mean? X-Men 2 was really good. It was really good. Especially for us because we were just starting to get into this type of movies. And mm-hmm. we never thought that a quality X-Men film would be that great. Exactly. Before the Avengers, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't know that a group of superheroes can be in one movie. And I feel like even though there were a lot of characters mm-hmm. like in the X-Men movies, they made it work with the first one. Mm-hmm. And then with the second one, I think, which is smart, is that they kind of like, they gave you um, X-Men's backstory. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, Wolverine's backstory. Mm-hmm. You know, Um but it was still, you know, as a whole, it was still an X-Men movie. Mm-hmm. But the heart of it was that, you know, it was Wolverine's origin story. Mm-hmm. Remember, before the X-Men film came out, there was not a series of superhero movies that, that, was, that, was, financially, that was a financial hit. Because remember, before X-Men, um, I think there was only Men in Black and the first Spider-Man from Sam Raimi. But we never thought that a serious take on this Marvel characters would be perfect for the screen. Mm -hmm. But, you know, with X-Men, like, for example, with the first one and Mm -hmm. X-Men 2, they were um, financially successful. They were uh, uh, critically successful as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, X-Men 2, up until now, is one of my favorite superhero movies. I feel like, I really believe that they they did that, you know, the X-Men movie, or the X-Men superhero justice with that movie. I think it was really great. I mean, X2 was really great. I think the first X-Men trilogy was, you know, critically and financially. Mm -hmm. But X2, yeah, yeah, it's probably there one of the best comic book movies ever made. The way they centered the film around Wolverine was really surprising because if we watched the first X-Men film, you would not think that it was all about Wolverine, would you? No, no. It only started. Was su- it only started yeah. in the second X Men film. Mm-hmm. There were subtle h- hints as to you know who really, you know who who is Wolverine, mm. right? Because I feel like the the heart was kind of like, 
they were going for someone who is a loner, mm-hmm. someone who is an outcast, and that's where the character development comes from. Because, mm-hmm. like, if for example, you look at um, you look at the other X Men characters who are already basically professors in the um, Xavier School, mm, yeah, they're almost, you know, they're almost uh, perfect. Like, you can't. They weren't given that much character flaws, unlike with Wolverine. Wolverine. He was given, yeah, a character flaw. He was given, um, you know, he was a loner. He didn't care about anyone else but himself. And then they made it work with X-Men 2. They developed his character. You know, they, they basically made him a professor. And, you you know, you, you feel sympathetic with the guy. You feel like um, he's relatable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I said, you know, with um, with with X Men Two, I feel like it it really was the Empire Strikes Back of of the X Men films, and it was kind of difficult to recapture X Men Two. Mm, you yeah. know, I think I, so. I think you have a point yeah. there, but you know, you said that Wolverine was a professor in X Two. No, he wasn't a professor. He was a babysitter. <laughs> Yeah, he was basically <laughs> babysitter. It, it was kind of funny as well that way. I remember because like when when they went to Bobby's house, right, mm-hmm. Iceman, and like they were introducing him as as a professor, and he doesn't look the part. Yeah. Right. So I, I think that was funny as well. Yeah. But then you know, moving on to X Men Three, like I said, they weren't able to uh, recapture X Men Two, and then I believe um, you know going back to the history of the um, of the film of X Men Three, uh, Brian Singer. I think he was attached mm-hmm. to to make uh, X Men Three. The thing is, the best Phoenix movie we're g- ever gonna get is X Men Two. The introduction to Phoenix, mm, in yeah. my opinion, yeah, because like that intro introduction was so good. I feel like Brian Singer had a plan, mm-hmm. and I feel like he was attached to the third movie, but he dropped out because he oh. wanted to make Superman Returns. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brian Singer was the one who directed. Uh, the first and second X-Men film, he also directed Superman Returns, mm-hmm. for those who does not know about that. So let's talk about the list of X-Men films to date. So we have the first X-Men, then X-Men 2, and X-Men 3. So mm-hmm. we consider that, that as the X-Men trilogy. After the first trilogy came X-Men Origins, Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And after that was X-Men First Class, then... Yeah. They tried to make another Wolverine movie. They call it The Wolverine, which takes place mm-hmm. in Japan. And after that was the X-Men Days of Future Past. Yeah. After X-Men Days of Future Past comes the loudmouth Deadpool. Exactly. After Deadpool was the send-off movie of Wolverine, which was Logan. And after that was Deadpool 2. Then the infamous X-Men Apocalypse. Oh, no. X-Men Apocalypse. And then the infamous Dark Phoenix. Mm-hmm. That's right. You got everything. Mm-hmm. So the the first X-Men films, particularly the trilogy, they were, like I said earlier, they were received critically and financially. So after the trilogy, 20th Fox wanted to make origin films you know, based on their mm. popular characters. Yeah. So they made Origins Wolverine and they even planned to make an Origins Magneto. Yes. But the Origins Wolverine film was really bad. Like, not to mention Deadpool was there, but was he really Deadpool? You know, exactly. that Origins Magneto never saw the light of day. Mm-hmm. So Fox decided to reboot the X-Men mm-hmm. films. And they did this via X-Men First Class. At first, mm-hmm. we never... It was really not a reboot, but rather a prequel to the trilogy. Yeah. And Matthew Vaughn, who was the director of the film... Yeah. He did a terrific job. He tried to introduce uh, the characters of Professor X, Charles Xavier, Eric uh, Lancher, and mm-hmm. Mystique, you know, in a stylish period reboot. It was really fresh. It was really nice. It was really good. You know, during that time, I remember when X-Men First Class was announced, I was already having um, X-Men fatigue. Mm, you know? Oh, really? Because I remember, um, because X-Men 2 was so good, I was really looking forward to X-Men 3. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, back then when YouTube wasn't that big, mm-hmm. what I did was every time a superhero movie comes out or before it comes out, 
their website changes. It becomes tailor fitted to the new movie. All right. I don't know if you did that before, but I always um, went back to the website to see if there's there are any um, changes because a new movie is coming out. Mm-hmm. So I was really excited for X-Men 3. And I remember I was, you know, uh, after watching the movie, I was disappointed, mm-hmm. you know. I was really disappointed. And then when um, Origins came out, Wolverine Origins... Um, it was really bad. I don't. I don't even remember, remember <laughs> seeing it in the cinemas. I think I just saw the leaked copy. Oh, it was yeah. leaked. You remember? Yeah, I remember it was leaked. <laughs> and I was like, you know, fuck it. How can? How better can it be? Like the the actual version, the theatrical version, right? So I watched it like years mm-hmm. later, I believe. But then when First Class came out, I remember um, Matthew Vaughn was attached to direct the movie, and I've already seen. I believe I've seen Kick-Ass, Kick-Ass by then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this looks like it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when the movie came out, like I said, you know, Professor X and, you know, Magneto, you kind of see them as people or um, mutants without flaws. Yeah. But in the in the first class movie, that's what they did. They stripped them down. You get to see and them. Exactly, you get to see them for who they are, and uh, you know, the the movie gave them flaws. Mm. They were supposed to make an Origins Magneto movie when that never made the light of day. Elements of the Magneto film was taken and uh, incorporated mm-hmm. for the X Men First Class. That's why we see Eric Lancer was very young back in the internment camp. Yeah, like it was, you know, they tried to remake what happened in the first X Men film because yeah. they were trying to show that this is how Magneto started. And mm-hmm. they got to show how the dynamic of the character of, of Magneto, how he became this character that we know today. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I'm glad if ever they did take elements and that's what made, you know, Magneto's characters great, mm-hmm. uh, character great. I'm glad that they took elements from the scrap, you know, Origins Magneto mm-hmm. film. Because, you know, his, his development or his origin in first class was really good. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, um, Michael Fassbender's Magneto is really menacing. Yeah, I think and so. sympathetic as well. I think at so. At the same time, who do you think is a better Magneto, Ian McKellen or Fassbender? I'm gonna have to go with Fassbender. Really? Yeah. Okay. What about you? I don't know. I think they were good in their own ways. I mean, I yeah, really slightly I really, better. I really liked uh, the old man Magneto. Mm-hmm. He's really calm. Only because, yeah, he's he, again he's basically flawless you know Mm -hmm. you know what i mean he's really calm he's really collected so that's maybe because fastbender's um magneto was more emotional he's more flawed that's why i like him more but you know i'm not discounting mckellen's portrayal of magneto as well Mm -hmm. it's just how the characters were written yeah so you know after the success of x-men first class Matthew Vaughn was still on board to direct the sequel and pitched a new X-Men trilogy where in the second film, they would be introducing a younger Cyclops, a younger Jean Grey, you know, Storm, Nightcrawler, and everyone. And he even pitched the idea that Tom Hardy would be a young Wolverine in the second film. Mm -hmm. And in the third film, he suggested that it would be about Days of Future Past so that they could bring all the characters, all the original characters back. But, you know, Fox disregarded that concept but went with Days of Future Past right away. And when Matthew Vaughn was not up for that, they tapped Brian Singer back to direct the film. Okay. I didn't know that. It could have been good, but I'm still glad they went the route they did that Mm. they did because, you know, it led to Days of Future Past. Yeah, but they were also going for the Days of Future Past, but only Matthew Vaughn wanted was to introduce these new characters. Mm-hmm. Because after Days of Future Past, uh, Matthew Vaughn's issue was, where do they go from there? Mm-hmm. Because Ma- Days <sighs> of Future Past for him would be a big, a yeah. good movie. And after uh-huh. that, it would be like, okay, so now what? That, w- exactly. that was his issue. Because recently, somebody interviewed him or something. And uh-huh. that's what he said. And I think that's what happened. That's basically what happened, right? Yes. Like, after Days of Future Past, they didn't know where to go. Mm-hmm. You know, things suddenly So they went downhill. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. But since we're in the topic of Days of Future Past, 
Days of Future Past is personally my favorite X-Men film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Fox X-Men universe, you know, it's the timeline. It's very messy, incoherent, and uh, inconsistent mm-hmm. because of the amount of sequels, and yeah. prequels. And and the um, spin-offs. Spin-offs, and yeah. Imagine there's, yeah. A, there's a Deadpool movie, there's a Wolverine Origins movie. Uh, yeah. There's so many X-Men films, and the timeline is very inconsistent. But... Mm-hmm. I thought that Days of Future Past managed to fix the previous stories together effortlessly and uh, by using the element of time travel. And mm-hmm. this was this was touched in the source material, which was Uncanny X-Men. Now, in the comic books, the Days of Future Past was set in a future where the Sentinels has taken over the world and mutants were hunted, placed in internment camps they were like tortured or something so in that storyline the sentinels were planning a nuclear attack or something when the remaining x-men tried making a desperate attempt to stop the sentinels but mm-hmm. kitty pride's mind traveled backwards through time to possess the body of her younger self now this kitty pride who traveled back in time in her younger self warned her fellow x-men of their impending future and the only way to mm-hmm. stop that was to prevent the assassination of Senator Robert Kelly by Mystique's uh, new brotherhood of mutants. But in the film, it was different. Mm-hmm. In the film, there was it was also set uh, in a dystopian future where yeah. it's filled with death, with you know mass graves and horrible ways where mutants are getting captured or kept in internment camp. It's really clear that the future was really not safe for everyone. Mm-hmm. Now, unlike the comic books, the root cause that started the downfall of the mutants in the future was not the assassination of Robert Kelly, but the assassination of Bolivar Trask, Bolivar Trask mm-hmm. in the hands of Mystique. Mm-hmm. So it's not Kitty Pride who travels back in time to its younger self, but Wolverine instead. Mm-hmm. True Kitty Pride, of course, by sending Wolverine's mind to his younger self in the past. Mm-hmm. And uh, the future Professor X and future Magneto gives you know Wolverine the important task to find, guide, and help them prevent Mystique from killing Bolivar Trask. Yeah, could you explain that? Because I'm not really familiar with Kitty Pride, and I haven't read the uh, Days of Future Past mm-hmm. uh, comics. Because I know she walks through walls, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So does she have the power to tra- to travel through time as well? So in the Days of Future Past. Kitty Pride was able to transfer her mind or consciousness to her younger self to time travel to prevent the mass extermination of mutants. I think this is one of her abilities that was um, discovered during this story arc. Because as we all mm. know, every mutant has different abilities that progresses or it yeah. becomes something else as the story or as the comic books go on further. So yeah, I mean... If someone tells me that their favorite X-Men movie is Days of Future Past, Mm -hmm. I can't blame them. I remember seeing this movie. I was like, you know, in a year, there are movies that after I see it, it just leaves me breathless. I loved this movie when it came out. Mm -hmm. I was like, there's a lot of things done right with this movie. First of all, the mixing of the the old ca- the old cast and the new cast mm-hmm. it was really refreshing especially since first class was you know successful and you want to see more of those characters but at the same time you know you kind of miss the old characters as well like the old um actors mm, yeah. you know playing these characters so i was it was it was such um it was such a good choice to bring them back mm mm-hmm. And then at the same time, like you said, you know, a lot of shit after the movie ends was fixed, mm-hmm. you know, with regards to the timeline, you know, um, a lot of the bad decisions that they made, mm-hmm. they can, they can, um, basically they have another chance to, you know, to uh, go at those storylines. Like, for example, the Dark Phoenix storyline, you know, without, without any repercussions or without, without giving any thought to the X-Men 3 movie. It's probably the nostalgic factor, you know, that really got us excited for the film. Because mm-hmm. you and me, you know, we grew up 
watching the original X-Men trilogy and they were adopting one of my favorite X-Men story arc from the comic books. Mm-hmm. And this screen adaptation was just pure bliss, you know, mm-hmm. for us. I remember seeing the trailer for the first time and it was emotional and the tease where they show uh, James McAvoy, uh, young Charles Xavier talking to Patrick Stewart's old Xavier was pure orgasm. Exactly. And, you know, um, I feel like it's it's one of the best representations of time travel. Although I, I wouldn't really call it that because, you know, <laughs> Kitty Pride was just transferring... For example, Logan's um, um, consciousness to his younger self, right? Mm-hmm. But still, there were elements of butterfly effects mm, yeah. and you know repercussions if you change th- something in the past, mm. what it can mean for the future, mm-hmm. right? Well, you know, if you take into consideration other time travel films, you know, the Terminator, it's like the Terminator also you had to change something mm-hmm. in the past. Uh, the future will not happen. Anyway, the chemistry between Fassbender and McAvoy as Magneto and Professor X, respectively, has always been stunning since X-Men First Class. And in Days of Future Past, it was nice to see that their chemistry also works very well with Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. So in the film, after Wolverine woke up to his younger self in the in the past, he goes out to find, you know, young Professor X right away, hoping to find Mystique. Charles Xavier helps Wolverine and break Magneto out of prison with the help of Quicksilver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember that Quicksilver sequence where yeah. he helps them break out Magneto was one of my favorite sequences in the film. Because it yeah, makes, one of the best scenes. It makes yeah. the MCU Quicksilver so meh, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. The introduction of Quicksilver, and you know he was in the movie for like I think ten to fifteen minutes, or maybe even less. Mm-hmm. But it was just he was a show stealer. He was, he you was, know, he was. I mean, the idea of super speed is really hard to get in film. Mm-hmm. You know, you I have agree. you have to be able to see things from the character perspective. To truly get a good experience. But I think the reason as to why, you know, Quicksilver works in this movie, especially that scene you're talking about, which is, I believe, in the Pentagon, in the kitchen scene, right? Oh, yeah, 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 in the Pentagon, so, yeah. So, the reason it, it works is because they, they use a lot of elements um, to show you how fast he is. Mm-hmm. So, basically, what they did was they slowed time. Mm-hmm. You know, they put in a background music, which is very somber. <laughs> and, you know, stop and a bunch of guards. <laughs> stop a bunch of guards using, you know, um, using, what do you call that? Like the recoil of their guns. Mm-hmm. It just means that everyone else is um, slow compared to him. Yeah. You know, and he knows how to use that to his advantage. And he, he does all of that, you know, in one to two seconds. Exactly. <laughs> And and what's great about it as well is, um, you know, the emotion behind it is because um, James McAvoy, um, uh, his character, sees um, Magneto for the first time mm-hmm. in the movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was like a back and forth between them. Um, Magneto learns that, no, um, Professor X gives him the condition that there's not going to be any more killing under his watch mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but then magneto learns that professor x doesn't have his powers mm, right yeah so he was about to attack the guards but then you know quicksilver jumped in so there was no need for further violence <laughs> basically yeah and i feel like it it led to one of the best scenes in the movie because mm-hmm. with x-men um i'm sure you know this and i feel like everyone's talked about this um anyone who's worked on the x-men whether it be in the comics or the movies, mm-hmm. is they try to put real-life discrimination um, you know, in the movies or in the storylines, right? Yeah, they always do. So, in, in, for example, instead of um, racism, they put in discrimination against mutants, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, in the plane scene, I remember uh, where Professor X was really mad at Magneto Mm-hmm. and was complaining that he left him, Magneto was, had this very emotional uh, monologue saying that, you know, no, you left us. You left the mutants. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone else is dead because you were not here 
to to save us, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you learn that he wasn't trying to kill uh, President Kennedy. Instead, he was trying to save him mm-hmm. because President Kennedy was a mutant as well. Mm. So I feel like it was one of the best scenes in the movie. It was really emotional. Um, and then um, Wolverine's um, line where he says, so you're also an asshole here or some shit like that. <laughs> it's one of the funniest lines <laughs> in the movie as well. Yeah. So, you know. So, yeah, after that, they were able to track Mystique. Mm-hmm. And um, but Magneto attempts to kill her, you know, believing that killing her would prevent the future where the Sentinels yeah. would take yeah. over from the what what's ever happening in the future. But the new chain of events doesn't stop Bolivar Trask to stop with the Sentinel program. Mm-hmm. So that was like okay. So like you said, there was a butterfly effect, but that butterfly effect would always lead for the creation of the Sentinels. You know, it was during this moment I realized. So does this mean that whatever happens in the past, the future will always be the same? Because the reason why the future was so you know crazy because the death of Bolivar Trask in the hands of Mystique. And when Mystique was not able to kill Bolivar Trask, the mm-hmm. future was still there. The future was still existing. Yeah. So during this moment, I was like, okay, so is, are they going to make a twist or something like the future will always be the future regardless of what that did not happen yeah they they kind of hinted at that as well hank was like he was instead of the butterfly effect he um it was like a ripple mm-hmm. ripple in a pond where mm-hmm. if you throw a stone like mm-hmm. in the pond you know it would um it would cause a ripple but the current would always correct itself mm-hmm. so i was the same way i was like okay so it looks like the future is still going to be grim mm-hmm. no matter what happens. But Professor X, um, his character was developing during that time and he was hoping, right? Like he was hopeful again. Mm-hmm. So he was like, no, we we can stop it. Like something like that, I believe. Yeah. And you know what? By the way, now that you mentioned Mystique, and she is one of the biggest characters in this movie, mm-hmm. they brought sexy Mystique back. Is it just me? Yeah, like Jennifer Lawrence in First Class wasn't sexy at all, mm-hmm. and then in, you know, in in Days of Future Past, in my opinion, she rivals uh, Rebecca Romaine Stamos. Mm-hmm. I think sexy mystique. Yeah, if if you watch the film, the move set from mm. First Class and Days of Future Past of Mystique is really different. They slowly started getting hints of the mystique we got from the original trilogy. Exactly. And, and you know that scene where um Magneto um decides to kill Mystique that's that's my favorite scene in the movie mm, okay cuz uh, we thought the main villain in this movie is not Magneto mm-hmm. it's the Sentinels but then during that time there was a shift like there was a shift in tone with regards to Magneto's attitude mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's like and you you feel for him as well because he always does things for the mutants, yeah. No matter how evil it is, yeah. But I love that scene so much is because during that time it was interchanging or intercutting to the future mm-hmm. where Magneto is trying to kill Sentinels. Mm-hmm. Um, Ian McKellen's Magneto was trying to save or trying to prevent the Sentinels from coming in the whatever that place is, right? No, this happens during the after the uh, ceremony where the Sentinels were to be introduced in the past. And yeah. um, out of nowhere, Magneto managed to take control of the Sentinels with the intentions to kill the president. And I remember the climax was so intense because it was a roller coaster ride of emotions. It was going back and forth in the future and in the past. In the future, mm-hmm. the yeah. remaining X-Men was making their last stand against the attack of the Sentinels. All the X-Men were dying. Exactly. And It was so high stakes. Yeah, it was really high stakes. They were, they were fighting the Sentinels outside while the others stayed, you know, protecting Wolverine's body. And yeah. the death of every mutant there was really emotional. But mm-hmm. not as quite the final moments between Magneto and Professor X because we got to see how their characters developed. They were friends, then they became rivals because they only wanted the same thing, but Mm -hmm. in different ways. Exactly. That's why I always have this sympathy for Magneto. I think Magneto is one of those villains in comic book films 
apart from Loki that I always feel symp- sympathy to because mm-hmm. from where he came from the hardships that he went through and his relationship with Professor X since um, first class and it was really mm-hmm. sad seeing them dying both of them exchanging their last few words with one another so I agree when this was happening in the future in the past Professor X was able to persuade Mystic to spare Bolivar Trask suddenly uh, this alters history and everything changes so the future Wolverine suddenly mm. wakes up in the X-Mansion to find everyone alive. This was also one of my favorite sequences because all the characters are back in the mansion. You know, Iceman, yeah. Rogue, even Colossus, you know, even a cameo from Beast, <clears throat> Kelsey Kramer, yeah. Storm. Yeah. And yeah. of course, Jean Grey and Cyclops. Especially Cyclops. Mm. I was like, you're back. You were unjustly killed in X3. You're exactly. back. Exactly. For a small screen time but you're back uh, it was so nice you know, seeing them all back together and you know it kind of made you hopeful because you know during that time although i remember back then i wish i wished it was the last movie mm-hmm. and even until now i kind of wish they just like made that the last movie you know you were still hopeful that they would correct x-men 3 Right or yeah. you would they would they would develop Cyclops's character mm-hmm. with um, that actor I can't remember his name James Marsden uh, yeah James Marsden yeah because yeah. he was kind of good as Cyclops I kind of liked him as Cyclops but you know his character wasn't developed at all well Cyclops has always been a dick even in the comic books yeah exactly that's that's how you develop him but because you know he wasn't a leader he turns into he wasn't yeah, exactly a, he wasn't a leader in the films. That's what that was. I was gonna say he turns into someone like Captain America, right? Mm-hmm. Someone who leads, someone mm-hmm. who is a leader. But you know he wasn't developed um, to that extent yet because in, in the movies he was just dick, you know. <laughs> so, <a> dick. <laughs> but yeah, okay, I now, mean, <laughs> now I remember why I said dick because you know Wolverine said you're a dick to Cyclops yeah. in the first X Men film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, you mentioned Captain America, so. Um, you know, to be honest, the Days of Future Past for me is always on par with Avengers Infinity War, because mm-hmm. Avengers Infinity War was, you know, also one of my favorite uh, superhero films. But mm-hmm. everything leading to Avengers Infinity War was pure excitement, years of building up for the Infinity War. But for me, it's also the same for Days of Future Past. Even though the amount of time of build up was not as long as for Avengers Infinity War, but mm. in terms of pure spectacle and orgasms, it was also the same. But in terms of depth and soulfulness, mm. Days of Future Past would exceed Infinity War for me. Because at the end of the day, the final climatic scene of the film mm. doesn't really hinged on a hidden city being invaded by you know aliens or a mad titan looking for infinity gems or the dusting away of half of the living things in the universe no because at the end of the day it just comes down to two people talking that's what happened in days of future past two Mm -hmm. characters in a major personal conflict trying Mm -hmm. to reason out with each other because Mm -hmm. both of them think what you're doing will ultimately mm. benefit everyone. And that's what's really great about this X-Men films. Um, exactly. It's you, not... Yeah. You know, I, 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 I get what you're, where you're coming from. I don't think it's necessarily because it's just two people talking or there are no explosions mm-hmm. or, you know, there wasn't a big set piece for a major fight against a an undefeatable villain Mm -hmm. it's just that because you know similar similar to like you said loki similar to thanos for example Mm -hmm. they have made uh, magneto sympathetic they developed his character so well you have a great villain and -hmm. at the same time you have a great protagonist Mm -hmm. because in my opinion they complement one another exactly you know the next movies like apocalypse for example Mm -hmm. That was their mistake. They they didn't have a compelling villain. They did not. They didn't have a sympathetic villain. They didn't. I mean, like uh, Matthew Vaughn said recently, after going from Days of Future Past, you do not know where to go because mm-hmm. it's like a big epic finale or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to continue from there on. 
And what Fox did was they tried to continue the film as it was in the same level as Days of Future Past. Yeah. By introducing Apocalypse. Yeah. But could you imagine if they made Apocalypse, X-Men Apocalypse, before Days of Future Past, the young X-Men characters, Cyclops, everyone, they would have a better character development. Mm-hmm. If Days of Future Past is already better, but I think they did Apocalypse before Days of Future Past, it would have been much, much, much better. I agree with that. The problem is, you know who doesn't agree with that? Like executives, like fucking suits, who think that the last movie, you know, should have a villain as big as Apocalypse. They don't mm. want Apocalypse in the middle. You know what I mean? Yeah. They want him at the last. If not him, they want Phoenix at the last. Someone who oh. is... Someone who can rival... Thanos, for example, as a villain. That's the problem because what happened was Apocalypse wasn't well-developed and no one really cares about him. He wasn't menacing at all. Magneto was more menacing than Apocalypse. Of course, yeah. You know, and, and Magneto didn't have like have the pow- half the powers Apocalypse had. Yeah, it's like X-Men Apocalypse is the film where there's like total destruction everywhere. Yeah, at the end of the day, it was still boring, you know? It was, it was. It really was. Even with, with all... Even the Quicksilver scene, in my opinion, was like... Um, it, it was too much, I think. I mean, yeah, it, they already yeah. did that in Days of Future Past. I think there was yeah. no reason to do that again. Exactly. It was exhausting at that point. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, what I want to talk about is um, my favorite movie, which mm-hmm. is Logan. Okay. Um, again, like I said, you know, back then, my favorite was X2. Mm-hmm. And then Days of Future Past. Mm-hmm. And then Logan. Yeah. When Logan came out, it was that fucking breathless feeling as as well. Or again, after uh, after I left the cinemas. It was so good because, you know, I remember back then, um, there were like rumors, I think, or um, I think it was, it was confirmed that it was going to be set in a different universe or they were not going to pay any mind to the old movies. You, do you remember that? Uh, I don't remember anything about that because I always thought that they were part of the films after Days of Future Past. Mm-hmm. Okay. But after watching the film, I could conclude that it's a different timeline. For me, what I loved about Logan is that there were subtle hints about the X-Men movies. Mm-hmm. Like there was... There was a brief mention on the um, Statue of Liberty. Yeah. It was like a wink, right? That this happened in the uh, in the first X Men movie, right? And Logan, be, you know, being a professor, even though he wasn't a professor. Exactly, something like that. When you finally learn that you know the X Men are dead, mm-hmm. right? It was very subtle, but it's obvious that the X Men has been killed by what you don't know in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So what I love about that movie is that, again, you strip down these characters because how are you going to make a high-stakes movie with Wolverine? Mm -hmm. The guy heals as soon as he is hurt. But in the very beginning of the movie, he doesn't look... Or he looks old, but also because he looks weak. He wasn't healing fast. He wasn't healing. Exactly. He he doesn't have the healing factor like he was when he was younger. Exactly. So... You were like, this isn't aging. This is something else, right? Mm. Which we eventually learned it was poisoning, right? Mm. Adamantium poisoning. But, you know, I love the dynamic um, between uh, Wolverine Mm -hmm. and Professor X. Because, like, Professor X is like this old dude. He was old a mentor. fucking senile dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, no. In the, he in was the, a mentor. In the previous films, he was a mentor, yeah. you know. You wouldn't imagine him being a senile person or a senile yeah. mutant in Logan. Yeah. It, it was a different take on the character. I remember uh, there was a scene where Logan was telling uh, Charles to drink his medicine. It's like, ah, he was mm. doing that. Yeah, <laughs> was like, yeah, ah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Professor imagine... X wouldn't do that in the previous films. <laughs> Exactly, right? Imagine like Wolverine, he was um, paying, what do you call that? Like under the table shit to mm-hmm. get meds for mm-hmm. Professor X. Yeah. He was locking him up in a fucking tank mm-hmm. <laughs> just so that his powers would be um, contained within that tank. Did Professor X kill the rest of the X-Men? Yes, that's my that's my understanding. It was yeah. very subtle. 
but it's my understanding that he killed the X-Men. Because he was having seizures, right? Yes, exactly. He was having seizures, which I believe was more deadly to mutants than mm, the humans. All right, all right, all right. So I remember um, Caliban, right? He was in the movie. Mm-hmm. And he'd already showed up in um, X-Men Apocalypse. Yep. He's a white mutant who locates Albino mutants. dude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was like, um, why does he have to be in this movie? Mm-hmm. But I love his addition to the movie. First of all, you know, Wolverine is doing Uber, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy has this guy has fucking adamantium claws. He can steal. Um, he can rob a bank. Mm-hmm. But he's doing Uber. Mm-hmm. So you know that Wolverine has a moral compass, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the guy just wants to get away with his father figure, which is Professor X. Mm-hmm. So he employs Caliban to sense if there are mutants around. Mm-hmm. Someone looking for him. Yeah. But that relationship between fucking Logan and Caliban was so good. It's like they're roommates, you know? <laughs> it's so good. I swear to God. Like I, I rewatched it again. Um, their relationship is like, I, I can't say, I can't tell if it's like fucking, um, if like they're a couple or they're roommates or they're brothers, you know? <laughs> and then finally, eventually you're introduced to, um, Laura, mm-hmm. which we come to learn, uh, eventually is X-23. Mm-hmm. Who is um, a clone of Wolverine. Yes. She's a clone of Wolverine. So now you don't just have a father-son dynamic. You also have the father-daughter dynamic in mm-hmm. one movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like the stakes in that fucking movie, I swear, when they were invited to this family's house and, you know, shit was going to go down. Mm-hmm. It was like, that was such a happy moment. First of all, like that dinner scene was such a happy moment. Yeah. Like the movie slowed down so that the audience can breathe as well. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And then they've amplified it to 100. <laughs> out of like, nowhere. Out, out of, of nowhere. nowhere. <laughs> you know, my, my, my only gripe in that movie is when um, Professor X was pouring his heart out to Logan, mm-hmm. but it wasn't really Logan. Yeah. It was um, the X-24. Yeah, it was cl- another clone of uh, Wolverine. Yeah. So that was my only gripe in the movie. I wish it was Logan who heard that. Mm-hmm. But I love that scene, especially when Laura was like so attached to Professor X mm-hmm. and she saw um, Professor X dying mm-hmm. or dead already. Like her rage, it like it just gets you pumped up, you know, like her rage was so emotional. Yeah, re- then, you know, rewatching yeah. the film, like the one where Charles Xavier was talking to was not really Logan, but a clone mm-hmm. of Logan. And you already knew that he is going to die any moment now. And mm-hmm. when you watched that sequence, it was so calm. You know, it was like Char- yeah. Charles was just telling a story that he's happy now and he has been never been happy for him a very long time. And suddenly things change, you know. You know, it was like suspense out of nowhere, like a horror yeah. film or something. You know, good thing you brought that up. Yeah, it was like fucking zero to one hundred during that time. <laughs> I swear, and I was like, "Fuck this dude!" Like, I was so mad. I don't even know this villain. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, in my opinion, this is a good example of villain of a villain mm-hmm. who is not developed. Like, this guy has no soul. They said mm-hmm. it in the movie. Mm-hmm. He has no soul, and even as a character, he is a, in my opinion, a non-character mm-hmm. because he he his character isn't developed at all. And this is the first time we're seeing him. He's just basically a rage machine, right? Yeah. But, you know, he serves as a plot device for you to get pissed off. (laughs) You know, for you to get pissed off, for you to get angry. Mm -hmm. And then in the end, you know, um, for someone, um, for Wolverine to battle with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's like he's facing his own demons, basically. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he has... um, um, a worthy opponent who can, you know, kill him. Yeah. Who would probably kill him, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of the shit in that movie, I just love. Like, a lot of the choices they made. Um, I remember, like, seeing the trailer. They they put out the X-Men comic. And I'm like, why, why did they do that? Like, I hope... <laughs> I wish they didn't do that. But then when you watch the movie, it makes sense. It's like, you know, all of a sudden, you're glorifying these superheroes... When they had a hard life. Because mm-hmm. the tone of Logan is like, 
we had a hard life. Like, fuck the superhero shit. It's not real. Mm-hmm. You know? And then the the place that they were gonna go to, uh, which was Eden, right? They mm-hmm. had the coordinates. It mm-hmm. came from the comics. Mm-hmm. So, it was like, um, Logan was hesitant. He was um, cynical, skeptical that it wasn't a real place. But what they did was they made it a real place. Mm-hmm. They made it a safe haven for mutants. Yep. And I kind of feel like it was like a metaphor as well to comic books where like, you know, you as an audience, as a comic book lover, you have this safe haven. Mm-hmm. This comic book is your safe haven. Mm-hmm. That's what I felt. But, um, you know, all in all, I love that movie. I love Wolverine's death. And I love that they killed him, to mm-hmm. be honest. And then um, eventually the the ex, the ex fucking what do you call that? Like the his tombstone. Yeah, there was a which cross. was wood. Yeah, it was cross. And uh, <clears throat> Laura tried to make it an ex. It was it was really nice send off. It was a nice touch. It was a nice send off to, to Wolverine. Wolverine. Hugh Jackman, yeah. the last remaining <clears throat> original character of the first trilogy. Yeah, it was really good. It was not just a send off to. Wolverine, the character, but the, the actor as well, in mm-hmm. my opinion. You know, and they really made it work. But yeah. in, I think it was a different timeline. This is what I really hate about Fox. Because they try to fix things, but at the end of the day, they're still consistent. What I mean is, the timelines, like I said earlier, it's really crazy. They're very inconsistent. And I, we all thought that Days of Future Past would fix them. We can confirm that this was in a different universe or it's in a different timeline because one of the story here is there are no more mutants for the past 20 years. Yeah. If we take that into account with the Days of Future Past, which takes place in 2023, and mm-hmm. yeah. this one yeah, takes place in there. 2029, mm-hmm. that's going to be different because in 2023, there were still mutants. So thank you again, Fox, for giving us an inconsistent timeline. Yeah, I don't know. To be honest with you, I'm not sure. Because, like, not just with Logan. Um, after, first of all, the inconsistencies started, in in my opinion, in X-Men Origins yep, Wolverine. Wolverine. Yeah. Right? And then it just got, like, fucking worse. Like, the, the, the timeline fuck-ups they tried, got worse. And they tried, to, they tried to play with it because, you know, they had Deadpool. And Deadpool yeah. is set in another timeline. And exactly. there was reference, like, you know, the timeline is really shit. I don't know where I'm... It, which, was, it yeah. was stuck tongue-in-cheek, basically. Yeah. But, you know, like, First Class, for example, it was considered a soft reboot. Mm-hmm. So you kind of forgive it. Mm-hmm. And then come Days of Future Past, you thought they fixed it, mm-hmm. but I felt like there were inconsistencies as well with um, Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't be sure, but I feel like there was inconsistencies with the timeline. So I'm not sure if it was like a studio directive or it was a choice of the filmmaker. I don't know. It's probably you know? the studio because they're consistent. Even at that, um, I would say that the choices they made with, the, with Logan mm-hmm. didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. It kind of bothered me with um, some movies, like maybe Days of Future Past, mm-hmm. okay. like rewatching it um, because, you know, they introduced Toad again in that movie. But um, with Logan, not really. I feel like they, they, they kind of perfected that um, fucking up the timeline shit with Logan. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> But for me, I realized that they don't give a fuck anymore when Deadpool came out because Deadpool came before Logan. Mm-hmm. And when Deadpool was acknowledging that there's different timelines and he's really confused, so I was like, okay, so they're accepting the fact that they're confusing. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, you know, coming from our favorite movies, mm-hmm. we'll talk why about don't we talk about the worst? The worst. Um, let me ask you this. Five years ago, five which years was ago. your which is your worst? If it was five years ago, the worst would probably be Origins, X, uh, Wolverine. I agree. <laughs> now, all the films have come out. Would you still agree? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would say now that Wolverine, the Origins movie, Wolverine, is way better than the worst movie. And the worst movie <laughs> is... Dun, 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 dun. Dark, Dark Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. Oh, that was so bad. It was so bad, I swear. Like, there are a lot of last movies which are... Well, it it wasn't supposed... Like, for example, Spider-Man 3 was the last of the Raimi films. Mm-hmm. 
but it had redeeming qualities, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Dark Phoenix really didn't. I felt like everyone hated being there. Even Fastbender and um, McAvoy. They could not even help uh, how bad they it couldn't, was. Exactly. They couldn't like save that movie. And I feel like they didn't even want to. Like that movie was it came out last year, right? Mm-hmm. I don't remember shit. During the final imagine during the final scene, the final battles, mm-hmm. I was falling asleep. That's how bad it was. That's to be that honest. was how boring it was. Because yeah. like I, I've said in previous episode, it is the golden age of comic yeah. book movie, you know, it'll be it'll, like, Why are you doing this? The standards are way high now. Yeah. Uh, probably because th- the thing why it was bad because there were so many reshoots I believe okay yeah I don't remember much about uh, the Dark Phoenix because it was bad but I do remember mm. that there was so many reshoots and that uh, it was Simon Kimberg was the one who directed it right yeah and I remember Simon Kimberg was really like I'm going to make Dark Phoenix because I was never able to properly make one in X3 yeah so i was like okay so let's see what you what you got and at the end of the day man you should have not exactly. done that it was way worse than x-men 3 mm-hmm. i do and not what's... know with fox you know deciding to remake dark phoenix where it already did not do much in x-men 3 in the first trilogy you know there are so many different cool and awesome x-men story arcs to choose from yeah. but they keep on doing the same story that they've done the exact same way before and this is the second time they tried adopting the phoenix arc and another failure and they just you know can never get this right it's really exhausting to be honest yeah and what's worse is i believe if i'm not mistaken is that um x-men 3 was written as well by simon kinberg yeah you know and then again you're gonna give the project to him are you sure you, you want to do that? I really don't like, know what's with Fox. I really don't He know. directed and wrote, I believe, um, Dark Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> what he said was that, or I think what he was trying to do is that uh, make Dark Phoenix as um, loyal to the comics as possible. And this is why, you know, because I'm a film lover first, mm-hmm. more than a comic book fan. Like, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to be the first one to admit that I don't know a lot about comics like Mm -hmm. i don't follow every single storyline or whatever Mm -hmm. but this just proves that not everything in the comics um will translate well into movies i don't know plus again they did that fucking bait and switch again where dark phoenix or phoenix is not the main villain (laughs) like stop doing the bait and switch if you market your movie as this is the villain or this is what's gonna happen in the movie make it happen Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah so i don't know like dark phoenix i don't even have any words for it it's just bad yeah, and they tarnished the x-men movie yeah uh, film that's, legacy, that's really honest. sad about it instead of going out with a bang they went mm. with dark phoenix it was really bad you know for me it should have been days of future past could be the best perfect franchise ending don't you think i agree yeah because you know what makes days of future past stand out as a perfect ending mm-hmm. it's that the characters the x-men characters and actors that we have been associating with ever since has a proper send-off mm-hmm. you know it mm-hmm. more than a decade in the in the films mm-hmm. and audiences could finally say it's finally over you know it's like how avengers endgame ended. yeah the yeah, franchise true. would still be open to endless possibilities, but true, with new exactly. characters, new yes, villains, yes, new story arc. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with Fox, obs- I agree 100%. they're just obsessed with retelling uh, mm-hmm. story arcs that does not even work. You know, like with Days of Future Past, it was such a good ending. Not only does the audience forgive the past mistakes, mm-hmm. but the movie corrected it as well, right? So it was already a happy ending to, for example, Cyclops or Jean Grey, mm-hmm. who survived, right? Because of the whole event in Days of Future Past. But you can, again, you can retell their story or you can develop their character more in a future um, in a future movie or, you know, start with new characters. That's why, like you I know said, what I mean? if they made Days of Future Past as the finale of a trilogy, it would have been mm-hmm. better. But let me be clear. Um, I believe that Days of Future Past should have been the last X-Men movie. Mm-hmm. But Logan is really my send-off mm-hmm. um, for Wolverine. Yeah. So wherever you put that, wherever you put Logan, mm-hmm. 
it's it still has to be somewhere there, even yeah. if it's at the last. Yeah. But yeah, for for X Men, it's really the Days of Future yeah, Past. Because Days of Future, no, we can always say that Logan and Days of Future Past would be the best send off films because for Logan, it would be the character Wolverine, character Logan, yeah. who's saying goodbye. In the Days of Future Past, it's the characters, all of the characters combined, that's saying goodbye, and mm-hmm. both of them would be great for as a send off movie, not Dark Phoenix. Yeah, like to express myself better mm-hmm. uh, with regards to what you're saying, because I agree one hundred percent. Like like you said in Endgame, it really felt like an end of an era. Yep. So even if you don't do another Thor movie, it's Captain okay. America movie, you're fine. With yeah, it. it's fine. Exactly because you're at peace. Exactly. You're happy. That's that's the legacy of the Avengers. Yeah, and yeah. that's what we felt when we watched Logan and Days of Future Past. We do not mind what will happen in the future. There's closure yeah. in a way. If uh, only they made it feel like that was the last movie. That the problem was that they didn't make it feel that way. You know, as the lowest reviewed film in the main X Men line of films, The Dark Phoenix marks the end of a series of films meant to bring life back to the franchise introduced to audience this decade. And it's really sad. Yeah, that's true. I agree. Um, you know, it was because of the Dark Phoenix movie that I feel like the X Men legacy of films is tarnished forever. No, but let's not do that. Let's just keep on remembering Logan, the Days of Future yeah. Past. Yeah, at the least Dead we have that. Films. Yeah, let's yeah. just forget about those bad X Men films. Yeah, especially yeah. Dark Phoenix. It's really bad. And what's it, What's What's great about the X Men movies is that you know whenever they make a movie, they kind of focus on that movie at hand. Mm-hmm. So. You know, you don't really have to look at a future movie or a previous movie to enjoy that movie you're watching, right? Well, I don't know what will happen now since last year, 20th Century Fox was sold off to Walt Disney, like I said. Mm -hmm. Now, the X-Men film rights were subsequently transferred to Marvel Studios under the Disney umbrella. So, Mm -hmm. you know, all X-Men films, you know, that was rumored to be in development, like Gambit, all of them are canceled in the process and the X-Men film franchise was also set to conclude with the New Mutants this year. Yeah. But as of now, you know, due to the ongoing pandemic, the New Mutants is yet to see the light of day. Yeah. Which so, was supposed to be released like two years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm just, you know, really hopeful for the X-Men coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It may mm-hmm. not happen anytime soon because, you know, it's still fresh. We only recently had the X-Men films. And it'll take, you know, some years before they'll be introduced. But at the end of the day, we're still excited how these characters would be introduced to the MCU in a, in a way that faithful to the comic books or maybe mm. um, in line with how Marvel Studios makes their film. Same here. You know, I, I'm just hoping that they make X-Men movies, you know, as good as the best X-Men movies from Fox, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if not better. The honest truth is it's kind of hard to top if you really think about it because like you said, Days of Future Past almost rivals the um, Infinity War, Mm -hmm. which was one of the biggest MCU movies. So I just hope once they start introducing the X-Men movies or the X-Men characters to the MCU that they make them justice. Mm Mm-hmm. For now, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I believe we tackled everything. At least, mm-hmm. you know, everything we had to say or we wanted to say. Mm-hmm. Um, not all of the X-Men movies deserve to be discussed, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But everything that deserves to be discussed, I feel like we've given our thoughts on it. Yeah. Happy 20th anniversary to the X-Men. Mutant and proud. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway... Um, so yeah, again, uh, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Nerd Sauce Bros. We really hope that you know enjoyed this X Men topic. And if you have any questions, suggestions, you could always reach us out. So yeah, please feel free to give us suggestions on which topic to do next. We'd be happy to consider your suggestions. Yeah. Um, follow us on our official Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, so you can easily give us a comment or a message. And all you have to do is search for Nerd Sauce Bros. That's right. And again, you could subscribe to us. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcast. We are on Anchor. Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. Yep. So 
we will talk to you next time. Thanks again for listening and tuning in. Uh, once again, we are the Nerd Sauce Bros. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, nerds.